1: Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening and clicking on this particular episode. As I've told you, if you're a longtime fan of the podcast, that I was going to do some different stuff here and there. Like, yes, I enjoy the interviews themselves. And I mean, this episode is an interview. But it's less about the business of journalism than it is about someone leaving the world of journalism. I'm excited for you to hear the story that my friend Paul has to tell about what the last year of his life has been like because he has done something that I think a lot of us wish we could do. And that's pick up and leave. Decide that there's a beautiful place that you want to go to and move to it. And stay there for a while. And just kind of live. I really envy and admire Paul for what it is that he did. And I am looking forward to to telling you more about it. And you hearing his story in today's episode. Which reminds me, today's episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at Team Hockburn. I love David Hochberg. If you are thinking about buying a home or if you're thinking about refinancing a home and right now is a really good time to do that, you should hit up David. Here's his number. I want you to write this down for me. Again, if you're buying a home or refinancing one, 855-56-DAVID or make it easy for you, David 56david.com, you could check out the website for Homeside Financial and understand that they are an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. We are also brought to you by Mazda of Orland Park. ZoomZoomNation.com. And we thank them for all of their support with our podcast. So here's some of the background of this episode. Paul Aspen was my producer on the Football After Show. So he was one of the people that helped us do some of the fun stuff that I got to do with with Lance and Matt and Alex and Olin. Well, I think he predates Olin. He's one of the people that helped me make it look and feel like a good product. Uh, And I always look forward to talking with him because he laid back dude. Like his vibe was just perfect for someone who was making my first like I guess technically not my first, but having my own show on TV. I had never really had that, and he made it very easy for me, whether I was doing that show or doing the Wanstead show. A lot of good people over there. Shout out to my man, Slav, my man, Nelly, everyone that helped produce the shows that we did over at NBC Sports Chicago. So at the end of the season... Paul was like, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go live somewhere. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I need a break from the business. What? Like those things are so foreign to me. It's part of the reason that I wanted to have him on the podcast because I wanted to understand it. Because there is a part of me that has some wanderlust. And I'll tell you, over the last year, I've definitely been like, should I live somewhere else? Should I move to Canada or move to Costa Rica or move to Germany? These are all places that were on my list. And I drew inspiration from Paul's experience. So I wanted to get a better appreciation of his experience by talking to him and understanding what compels one to leave one's home country and decide to live somewhere else now paul's back he came back as the pandemic was starting to take hold of the entire planet but he's got a story to tell about living abroad and i'm i'm so happy that he shared it cuz i learned a lot and it's a place that i enjoy or in my mind enjoy because I haven't been there yet, but I think I'm going to go now. My friend Paul Aspen talking about living abroad and living abroad in Colombia. Take a listen. How did you have the brainchild? Because I remember you talking about this with me, but I don't think I I ever dug as deeply as I wanted to. When did you have the brainchild that you were going to live abroad?
2: I almost did this right after college actually. Well, a year or two after college. Got in, eventually worked my way into CSN Philly as a production assistant. Did that for about a year. And I had this idea, like I studied abroad my junior year in Spain. I got to give credit to my mom because I was kind of like, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. She's like, Paul, it's one thing I I wish I had done in college. I never did. Please do it. So she really pushed me to do it. So I did, loved it, lived in Madrid, lived with a host family there, um, went back to visit like a year a year later, just loved kind of you know, embedding myself in another country, learning another language, um, and everything that came with that, and being able to travel around Europe in that case at the time. So two years out of college, I had that itch to kind of do it again and looked at teaching English in Spain because I, I was most familiar with Spain, Um, even went to go, went back to visit, started exploring the process. Uh, now this is 2008 into 2009. So recession is hit or already on the way there. I remember seeing a front page article in the New York times, like Spanish unemployment hits some crazy number. I don't know, maybe 25%, something like that. So again, like I was going through, like, this was official, official, like through the consulate. And everything. So you were, I think you were guaranteed six months, maybe a year. But then after that, it's kind of like, okay, then what? So basically, the the economic situation, and then combined with, so I actually got into the program. And then that summer, also got a call from NFL Films, was like, hey, we want you to work on a couple shows as a production assistant as well. And that was like real money, not like mm-hmm. CSN production assistant money. Yeah. So career route. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the career route. It was, it was definitely the safe play at the time, and you know, I was good with it. I even remember my dad asking me like a couple months later, "Hey, do you have any regrets?" I was like, made my, and I didn't really want to think about it. So I was like, I made my besi- decision. I'm good, like doing this, uh, and you know, did that for what 10, 12 years. Went to you know, Houston from Philly and up here to Chicago, and then it started creeping back a little bit because you know. Plateaued a little bit. It's just kind of how these RSNs are in these major cities. Like once people get established, they never really leave. There's only so far you can grow, and you know, explore some other options. But whether it was a another job not working out, or it just got to a point where it was like, okay, I don't want to say like I can come back and do this anytime, because clearly cannot come back and do this anytime, especially given the current climate. But this was a once in a lifetime thing, and. I was at the point where, you know, I was single, uh, you know, no debt and everything just kind of lined up. Didn't you know, no kids. Was like if I'm going to do this, I got to do it now. And so around fall of 2017, um, looked into the course at ITA Academy, which is obviously or sorry, which is actually at like uh, diversity, the diversity brown line stop. Yeah. Took an online course there. Um, did the practicum that summer. And that's where you really start to like, feel like it's real. And so I did that at the Southeast Asia center in Uptown. So it's mostly seniors. And it's one thing to teach English to like, I don't know, a Spanish speaker where there's some basis of communication there. But my first class was one-on-one with this Filipino woman who forget like a word, like the alphabet was totally foreign. So like that was a total challenge. So going through that, seeing some progress. And then I really enjoyed kind of the bigger, it was like 10 to 12 classroom size. And you're going through that, you know, different levels, but some people get it and are really into it. And just seeing that development there was really kind of fun and rewarding. And I was like, okay, A, I can do this, B, I want to do this and really kind of move forward from there. Um, So that was summer 2018. And, you know, again, I was, I had my, my target, I was targeting South America. It was close ish, you know, same time zone, same side of the world and the cost of living. Can't argue with that. Like the cost of living is just ridiculously cheap there. So I thought, you know, as far as a place to start, it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And I spoke the language um, and South America had always intrigued me, Colombia in particular. What, what was it about Colombia that intrigued you? Such a renaissance. It's just like, I mean, 30 years ago, it was, it was a don't go zone. Even 15 years ago, it was, you probably don't want to go. And the fact that it had come back so much. And I mean, you know, look, it has that like, kind of, I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but like that, well, it's the, the Narcos history behind it. Um, just like an intrigue there a little bit. And the fact that they had overcome all of that and it had everything I had heard had been good. I almost went in 2013. I mean, it was like $300 round trip. Um, never pulled the trigger, but everything, everyone I had met who had gone had great things to say about it. So I think it really started getting popular in 2013. And then you fast forward back to 2018. I was like, okay, you know, well, I still have a job. I might as well, go and see if I actually like it before um, I, I pulled the trigger. I did. I did a two week trip that December loved it. And that, that was the other factor as well. Weather 75 mm-hmm. in Medellin specifically 75 and sunny every day. Uh, There's a rainy season in March and October. Other than that, you're pretty much good. The visa situation was easy tourist visa, um, which gets you three months and then you can renew for three more months. And so I went in August so you can do six months per calendar year. August gets you to November. Renew gets you to the, to the new year. You have to dip out of the country and come back, but then your clock restarts for six more months. So I knew I was by myself at least a year without having to go through any sort of, you know, immigration, really immigration process. You get a stamp on your passport. Um, so all those things. And then the fact that it was, there's a, it doesn't pay that well. But it's freelance, is kind of easygoing. And the difference between Latin America and, say, a place like Asia, so Latin America is really less lucrative, Latin America and South America. because you, It's kind of a you get down there, it's like show up and we'll see if we can find something for you. You can't really get a job ahead of time. In China, South Korea, other places in Asia, you can get a job beforehand. They pay well. Uh, you get health insurance. They buy your flight for you. Like it's, they pay for English teachers to go there. But I, the, the early thought was, okay, I'll start in South America, maybe break even. And when they say break even, you don't really break even. Um, and then, you know, seeing where things are at, then I could make a move to Asia after that possibly. So that was the early thought. Um, but then by the time I went, it was pretty much going to be a six ish month plan.
1: So, okay. You spend two weeks in Colombia yes to check it out which i think is a really smart thing to do mm-hmm. what were the things that you missed in scouting out columbia for those two weeks like maybe you were look. i'm wondering like did you look at it romantically when mm-hmm. you were there for the two weeks and then once you were actually living there you're like oh well this is how things
2: actually work down here right yeah you miss you miss the nuances basically so I did, what I did find out from that trip was I'm good with Bogota. I, I don't need to live there, or go there. It's basically new. York. It's, you know, it's beautiful. It's massive. It's a little bit colder, which the Chicago people is probably laughable, but I mean, it's like sixties and it's, you know, it's high elevation. So it's a little chillier than I wanted. Um, Cartagena is a beach town, very touristy. I was like, okay, like I, this is fun for a couple of days. I don't want to like live here. And then Medellin just kind of hit that, Middle where I was like, okay, great transportation system, um, you know, easy to get around, better weather. So, all that was all that the good things I was like, that's where I settled on Medellin out of the mall, and Medellin was my last stop as well. What you don't really know, and you don't really realize at the time, I did when I went back for good, I didn't really remember that the food is kind of like, eh, like it's just like there's not a ton of flavor, um, you know, stupid gringo thing, but you think like. Latin American food you think Mexican food you think spicy and it's just not it's just it's a lot of meat in Colombia specifically a lot of meat a lot of fried food a lot of like potatoes and there's just not a ton of flavor or spice so like something like that Um, the people are friendly um, but but there's like how do I put this so there's certain things like okay I'll give you a couple examples the metro so I would think like, you know, I don't know if you ever ride the L at, you know, rush hour here in Chicago or New York, Philly, wherever. It's pretty packed. This is a whole nother level. Oh, like really? Or, oh, yeah. Or a Pika or, or a Prisa, like rush hour. It is a sport to board the Metro. It's five people deep along the platform. And as soon as the doors open, everyone rushes in. <laughs> it's a free for all. And like people, like if you're if you're trying to get off the, the metro and you're you know outside of that initial doorway, good luck, man. Like you're probably going to the next stop. And meanwhile, it's like shit. Is my wallet in my pocket? Or my like, where's my phone? Like, and like people have their backpacks up front, like around the front because they're gonna lose their shit. It it was crazy. And then just other stuff like metro doors, like they don't come to a complete stop before stuff opens. Same with the buses, like just little subtleties like that. Um, and like the guy, you know, as you're getting on the bus, you hand the driver your change and he's like, he, he's still driving. He never really stopped. He's putting the change in. It's stick shift by the way. So he's looking like three different ways. Um, just little things, you know, like that, that you don't really, you know, think about um, you don't really experience until you're, you're actually living it or um, a couple examples.
1: Okay. I mean, that's, that's super interesting. Um, what you're saying about that. I, I, when I picture Colombia, mm-hmm. like I, I until you had broken it down after you had come back from the first trip, you were talking about Bogota and you were like, okay, Bogota
2: is up high. What is it like? Is it like eight thousand feet?
1: Is that right? It's
2: uh, it's eight to ten, something like that. It's def- it's like twice as high as Denver. I want to say,
1: jeez, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a, a lot to deal with, but. I imagine with a, a mountainous region that it's beautiful. And like in my mind, I was like, man, okay. Like the altitude thing is not really something for me. Like I, I've, I've got sickle cell traits, so it's a bad idea for me to be living in high altitude. And then you started talking lovingly about Medellin. And I was like, okay, I can, I can get with Medellin. So what was,
2: outside of the weather and the beach,
1: like what was the best thing about Medellin?
2: So there's no real beach near Medellin, but the thing, as you mentioned about Colombia, like there's there's everything: mountain, forest, uh, city, beach. It's all there. Um, I think it's just it's kind of a they call it the Silicon Valley of of South America. At least some people do. Uh, it's very technologically advanced. Um, so it's and the, I think the the metro system specifically sold me on it, just because the ease to get around um, the It's more of a – it's definitely a friendlier, more kind of fun-loving vibe than I'd say something like Bogota is. Um, The people are like – I think Bogota, I think to use the New York comparison, kind of like they're – the way people in Medellin talk about people in Bogota is kind of like they have their nose turned up, that sort of thing. Um, But people – Paises are what they people from Medellin are called, uh, are just very – friendly outgoing down to earth. So just very much a welcoming vibe. And I think it's also, it's kind of in the, in the center. So you can kind of, you can go to the Pueblos pretty much anywhere around the, like you would, t- we would take Pueblo trips to a town an hour outside this weekend, another one outside this weekend. Um, and just the, the ease of getting out of the city or around the city it's the overall vibe of everyone there. I will say, and I've been – so a buddy of mine I met down there, also a producer, a Brazilian guy, he's kind of over Medellin at this point, and I get that. There is very much a, a party vibe in the main part of town, let's say like the River North, Wrigleyville sort of area. So, like, that gets old pretty quick. Um, but I think if you get away from that – like, I lived in a neighborhood called Envigado that's actually where both Pablo and his brother and his family were from but it's very much like it's a small it's actually technically a separate city than medellin but it's a part of the city there's a restaurant strip there was a track and a school and a you know a, you know a workout area all these outdoor gyms which was something funny too right outside my house it's very neighborhoody it felt very authentic it was all like in poblado which is a party center like it's english everywhere in this part of town, it, it, you're living in Colombia. It, it's, you know, Spanish everywhere. But the people are also friendly because people are just so happy to see foreigners there. And after everything, like, it's like, wow, how is our, kind of, there's a little bit of this, I can't believe our country is kind of a destination sort of vibe. What was teaching like there? Loved it. So it was, I love, so my first student was awesome. So her name was Viviana. Viviana. She was the CEO of a travel agency, uh, and this one was inspirational as hell. I'll get into that in a minute. But I landed on Tuesday, taught my first class with her at 7 o'clock the next day. Um, so she was so dedicated. She, we started off three times a week, and we'd fluctuate between three times a week and two times a week. And they told me the the company I was working with. Yeah, she's you know she speaks some basic English. I got there. Half our class was in Spanish and like broken Spanish that I kind of remembered. So we were kind of starting from scratch. But she was very serious about it, which I appreciated. And kind of I guess got to start thinking that might be the norm. And it wasn't so much, but um, that class was really rewarding um, because it was just it was a teacher student thing but also like we definitely I'd say we were friends um as well and just to see her grow with it because she was using it for her business like she she we were working on a presentation that she had to give at like a conference of like female entrepreneurs or something like that like she was working towards something um and you know we still kept in contact a little bit after I left but you know met her met her family um she even like her husband had a hotel in the Amazon. So she was able to hook that up. Like she was like she, and she was like, Hey yeah, you should totally go to the Amazon. I, I was never gonna go to the Amazon. Like I like jungle forest, like camping in the forest for four days, not really like I am good. But she kind of <laughs> you know, she forced me to go. Um
1: I mean when you got the hookup, you kinda right,
2: gotta go. Right. So that was definitely one of the positives. Another group I had of like three professionals who were all friends um, that, you know, again, they're all kind of into it. And then the other side of it was a, you know, like a college kid who was taking classes and she would cancel like a half hour before, like every other week. And so like it's and it, part of this was my own doing like I, I didn't want to. <laughs> You know, work forty hours a week. I didn't want to take a full time job at a school. Like, I, it was just kind of a decompress for me, do sure. something I wanted to do, and be on my own schedule. So, with that, like, Colombian time and Colombians talk about this, like, it is very much a thing. Like, classes at twelve, they like showing up twelve thirty is perfectly normal. Now, on the one hand, it's like at first I was annoyed, but then like once like the two guys I'm thinking of are Danny and Sergio, who are two you know professional guys. Once I found out they don't show up till 1230, but I still get paid from 12 to two, I'm good. Like that's fine. But uh, I will say like there was a time or two where I'd be on the bus ready to go to class and I get that text, hey man, can't make it today. And it's like, you know, that's where you don't really have a recourse unless you get them to pay for five classes in advance or something like that. And then you can be like, okay, well, this kind of counts towards that total. Um, So there, I definitely like the, The positive experiences, I wouldn't even call negative experiences, quote unquote, negative, but the positive experience of getting to know these people as well as the teaching part of it. um, I mean, that was, it was everything I kind of wanted to be and more.
1: When you get there, how long while you're there did it take for you to be like, this is, I'm not on vacation. Like this is my life now for at least uh, six months or whatever right how what how long before you weren't comparing everything to living in the
2: United States it's a good question because like that first month or six weeks the first week was pretty pretty easy pretty great I had an Airbnb before kind of figuring out a living situation and then moved into an apartment I was like all right we do this authentically like moved to an apartment with like five other Colombians and like, it's like, all right, this is going to be great. But then, you know, I was out of there by the weekend. There was a bed bug situation. It was like, the place was like kind of a dump totally changed from when I looked at it. The people were fine. But so like that, all of a sudden, like you've got the real world stuff, like what again, first world problems, but like kind of you're moving apartment to apartment and it's like, you're not, I wasn't settled. I'd say for six weeks. Okay. Uh, and then once I got settled in, you know, I'd say it was like you know you're you're figuring things out like the <clears throat> the nuances of like the the teaching was okay. People cancel all the time, or like you're you're just not an English class isn't a priority, and you've got to be like kind of okay with that. Um, I'd say li- when I settled into my third. I either lived in three places or four places. But when I by the time I settled in my fourth place, by like I think October, I was good. And I got there like first week of August, second week of August. So like living there, I was like because you had like the honeymoon like portion of it, and then you kind of had the scramble portion of it where you know you're trying to settle into an actual place to live. Okay, this place sucks. You move to another one. Okay, this place sucks. Meanwhile, you're teaching. Okay, this person's canceling when you've already like and as you're taking. Like, Medellin's massive. Like, half your day is shot when you're going from one class to another. And then it's like, it just kind of throws everything on its end. And by the way, you're not really getting paid anything. Like, you're you're using maybe a a quarter of your class payment on that fare that then you're not getting paid because the class doesn't happen. So figuring out stuff like that. Did you travel – Anywhere else while you were like stationed in Colombia? Uh, no, no. I, I've traveled around Colombia a bunch in those first five months. I'd say, so you know, would do. So once the once the teaching became like Viviana was consistent, the, my first student, but once it became kind of sporadic, I was like, okay, I got to figure out something else to do with my time. So I found this foundation. Uh, it's actually started by a guy. Uh, from New York called Angeles de Medellin, so Angels of Medellin. And he has a kids foundation that's been, you know, going for 15 years or so. So I'd volunteer there a lot of days too. But he would also organize some Pueblo trips to some of the towns outside of Medellin. So like Santa Fe or Guatape or some of these coffee regions. So I hit a bunch of those. And then viana helped me out getting to the amazon uh, i went to cali with my brother he came down for kind of a long weekend and my, and my sister came down too um, my parents came down to medellin um and they loved it and then see so also hit like a place like Nuki, which is like the pacific coast of Colombia. you can't get there driving you got to take a small little prop plane um but i remember i was just like kind of hanging out on the beach in november and i was like i got like two or three months left of this where i don't really have to do shit this is kind of this is kind of great um and I'm trying to think what other and eventually when i i came home for christmas and then when i eventually went back i hit the south of Colombia, which is like um another coffee region like san augustine tatacoa Tatico- desert and then up north which is rio uacho which is kind of like where the northernmost point of Colombia, where kind of the dunes go into the ocean, northernmost part of South America, rather. Um, so, try, tried to make the most of like long weekends. These are like five day trips, that sort of thing, um, which was easy to do to kind of navigate around the, the teaching schedule.
1: Is Colombia overall easy to navigate? Like, is it easy to get around there? Like, let's say, can, you, can one
2: rent a car
1: and, and drive around Colombia?
2: they could um maybe it was kind of i think colombian drivers are kind of crazy um a little bit uh and i know that firsthand because i actually hitched a ride to between a couple stops with this awesome friendly couple um from one spot to another but like they were zigging and zagging and all sorts of things but the buses are easy buses are easy you know some are better than others there are typically barf bags on board because of the way they take the mountain turns and that sort of thing. Wow. One time I I was feeling it a little bit. I was able to hold off. I was like, "Oh, that's that's why these are here." But I mean, a 13-hour bus ride isn't out of the ordinary. I think the longest that I, I signed up for was like 5, but it's relatively easy. And like honestly, again, like I I knew I was coming back, so I wasn't as uh economic with my spending as I could have been but I like I'd pony up for a $120 flight instead of a $13 bus ride sort of thing. Mm, it but makes sense. Yeah, there is there's easy is the bus system. I mean, there's buses that go everywhere from like the main terminals of every city.
1: From what I've seen whether it's television or magazines or travel, Colombia, it looks like there is a broad spectrum of person in Colombia, like from a racial standpoint, where you're mm-hmm. seeing the 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 darkest of those that have African ancestry to people who are as light as you. Was that your experience while you were there?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's like you said, it's it's a wide spectrum. Um I'd say and I mean there's the same there's the same unfortunate like kind of colorism? Distant, colorism. I was gonna say caste system, but yeah, colorism. Yep. Um, and there's been and the when you factor the you know there's the same indigenous indigenous you know issues there too as well um where they're kind of unfortunately they deal with a lot of the for the ones who
1: work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com
2: or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Issues that indigenous people dealt with here as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, I think there's a similar colorism spectrum there. You see, but it's, it's interesting because like you don't know if someone's like. There's certain people who are like, oh, like this person's Colombian, and like, like you said, because they could look like me um, or like half Colombian. But it was, it was, and then also, you know, Venezuela's right next door. But with the people just, you know, leaving Col- uh, Venezuela by the droves because of the bad situation there, there's a ton of v- Venezuelans there as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a a wide range of people. Are you fluent in Spanish? Fluence generous. Uh, I think I definitely got the way it was when I traveled before I lived there. Be like, I'm somewhere for two weeks. I'm finally getting back in the swing of things. And then I leave. So, it, you know, I'd be starting over every time. I would say um, I can get by pretty well. I can definitely communicate. And that was through a number of different countries and dialects. I will say, like, people from Bogota have the most neutral accent. So that's probably the easiest for me uh paisas or like people from medellin that's you know there's a little bit more like slang in there and a little bit quicker i'd say um but was able to get uh through that pretty well Castanos or like people from the coast that's crazy man i, I don't know it, maybe the philly or boston accent of Colombia, like it's half words it's it's super <laughs> fast it's like i was at i was at a party one time and my buddy's friend, she spoke English also, but she'd be like, Burr. I was like, uh, un poco despacio, like just a little bit slower before. She'd, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. She'd start up again. And within 30 seconds, Burr. I was like, I, I got nothing. Like, like it's just it's a, the different dialects. I mean, it's no, and accents it's no different from here, but I'd say overall, I like my chances in being able to communicate with someone.
1: I was joking last week on the radio show that imagine, cause I had Jose Abreu on the show. And we did it through Billy Russo. Like he was the interpreter of of the interview. And it was it was great. Like I actually was really happy that it turned out the way that it did. But I was joking with my EP, Herb Lawrence. I said, could you imagine if you were a Spanish speaker that had learned enough English to get by? And then you meet someone from New Orleans or Baton Rouge and you're like, what? Like what? What are those people talking about? And, and the, the, with Spanish, I know I can, I, can, I can read it better than I can speak it. Okay. But I did realize, and it was one of the funniest things. I'll never forget this. This must have been 2009. It's White Sox-Cubs at Wrigley Field. I'm on the third base side dugout, and I'm watching Ozzie Guillen and Lou Pinella speak to each other in Spanish and Lou speaks Castilian. Okay. And Ozzy speaks Venezuelan street. And I mean, you could, I, you wouldn't know that they were the same language. Like that's how big of a difference it is in dialect between those two guys.
2: I, I don't know how well I would do with Ozzy speaking Spanish. Like, I, I don't know how much of that I would pick up. I'd probably pick up pieces, uh, maybe thoughts. But I think, it's funny, I thought of that exact example. Like, could I be a interpreter, possibly? Like, I think I could get the the gist of what they're saying and relay it to people or understand it. But I, you know, the different, I mean, rapid Spanish like that, thats that's crazy. Like, I've got nothing on that.
1: Would you do it again?
2: Yeah, yeah. I would go... I would go somewhere else, though. I would go to Buenos Aires. Really? Yeah. Love Buenos Aires. It's kind of the – I spent two weeks there, more or less. Um, my buddy Dave Zangaro, who works at NBC Sports Philly, he came down for a week, and we did a couple days in Buenos Aires and went to Patagonia and kind of did a, a road trip through – it's the route of the Seven Lakes, they call it. Uh, hit a couple mountain towns there beautiful so rented a car down there that was totally fine totally easy um took a sale like sailed through from one place to another in patagonia as well for the day it was awesome but i think argentina again probably has a little bit of that holiday vibe wasn't you know didn't live there but buenos aires specifically like it's it's got the european mix of a bunch of different cultures like much more italian and uh, French, it's got obviously some German influence as well. Um, so are a total mix, along with Spanish, total mix there. The, the food, again, with those different cultures uh, as well, the cost of living, like everything about it. Um, I, I did, again, it was, all, it was for a lesser amount of time, so probably a little more romantic, romanticized in my mind. But if I had to go again, like a second, I just not like I regret going to Colombia and if I had to replace it, I'd go to Argentina. If I had to do another one, that's where I'd start.
1: Would you recommend our uh, uh, Columbia for a vacation?
2: Yes, hundred percent. I never felt unsafe, um, which I know a lot of people. I think I think we might have had this conversation where you were asking me about it, and you might have said something like a travel agent you were talking to was kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe push pause on Columbia. I never felt unsafe about it. I would say I wouldn't like spend all my time in, I guess, like, I don't want to tell people not to go to Bogota because like, you got to like it's the capital, but I think I wouldn't stay in any one place for too long. I try and, you know, definitely get the most bang for my buck and hit a a bunch of different places. What did you think of Cartagena? It's funny. I had two different impressions of it. The first time it was, you know, kind of, I mean, don't go to Cartagena itself to hit the beaches. Um, but it's it's a beach town, it's beautiful. Love the the architecture of it. Uh, I was there around Christmas time. That's the other thing about Columbia, man. They people definitely like to have a good time and you know, having you know Christmas lights everywhere. And basically they put Christmas lights everywhere during the holiday season when it's you know summer weather out is, is something I could definitely get used to. It's it's super touristy. And I, I don't know how I missed this the first time around. It didn't bother me but I went back when my girlfriend came down um, for a couple days and it was every five feet, someone was coming up to you trying to sell something. Um, so I think after I wouldn't go for more than a couple days. And if you really want to get the beach vibe, and this is what I did the first time around, like got on a boat with some people go to kind of like a beachy Island. That's like an hour. You just make a day of it.
1: Cool. Well, I appreciate you, giving me a little bit of your, your experience, man. It's, I I think that what you did was incredibly courageous. Like it's, and I don't mean like you're, you're walking away from a lucrative job in a fun profession. I mean, like that's, that takes a lot to just say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go live down there for a little bit. One more thing about that. Mm -hmm. What did you do with your
2: stuff? That's a great question. Got rid of it. Got rid of a shit ton of stuff, um, but sent uh, sent a good amount. Whatever I did keep, I sent a good amount home. Folks came out around you know a week or two leading up to it, uh, so they were nice enough to take any super valuables home. And then uh, my girlfriend was able to put up a couple things here as well. That you know I came back to Chicago afterwards. So, um, but I definitely downsized, and even down there, like I. I got rid of so much stuff as I was moving from apartment to apartment and even before uh, I took like I took a 6 week trip basically from January through March until March it was basically traveling around South America. So I had to like downsize the two bags for that. So I actually met a couple buddies in Mexico City at one point. I was able to throw a couple things back with them as well. But definitely it's funny. I just like got some new shoes and some shirts and I'm like, cause you know, I haven't had to totally revamp the wardrobe with the pandemic going on and not going out that much, but it's minimal minimalism was something I definitely got in tune with.
1: Well, cool, man. I thank you so much for doing this. And it's Thanks on, it, it's on my list. So here's where I've been. I've, yeah, I've never, been. I've never gone to Europe. Okay. okay. But I've really enjoyed the traveling around Latin America. So I've been to Mexico multiple times, and I haven't okay. – the place that I want to go in Mexico, like, the next time I go, I, I, I want to, like, spend time in Mexico City, obviously. Love I've never it. been to Mexico City because you go to the resort towns or whatever. Sure, right. um, and, and it just seems like a, it, everything that I've seen is gorgeous. And, again, you're dealing with altitude, but I think I could put up with it for a couple of days. I, was, I want to go to Veracruz. Okay. I'm very interested in, in some of the things that I've learned about Veracruz. I think it's kind of interesting. So I've been to Mexico. I've been to Puerto Rico. I love Puerto Rico. And I like obviously like that place is just you talk about crazy drivers, by the way. <laughs> um Puerto Rico is crazy, crazy drivers. Been to Costa Rica. That's the place that I probably retire if I had FU money. Okay. Okay. Um, is is the Pacific coast of Costa Rica? I'd like to go back and hang out on the Caribbean side because I heard it's a whole different vibe there. I've been to Nicaragua, and that was an experience in itself.
2: When uh, did you go?
1: I let's see. The, I think that was two thousand and seventeen. Where? So right before, or right after things were getting crazy. Right before. Okay. So. It was a trip to coast. It was the bears trip. It was the bears trip to Costa Rica. And they had a day trip to Nicaragua. So Mel was like, let's go. Cause she doesn't care. Like she'll, it doesn't matter to her. Drop her anywhere on the planet and she will meet friends. And I'm like, I don't know if we want to do that, but we got up there. The border between Costa Rica and Nicaragua, whatever you have in your mind right now of what the border is like between Costa Rica and Nicaragua, that is the right answer. Okay. It, it's so bizarre because Costa Rica doesn't have an army, but they do have a police force and they're super like buttoned up. It was like, um, the wild West at the border of Nicaragua. Once we got into, uh, what was the name of that town? Oh, granada in nicaragua absolutely gorgeous it was at the time um what was when when you don't eat you don't eat bread what is that diet
2: oh uh keto paleo whatever whatever that is
1: mel was on that and we found like a lot of those friendly places in, in in granada it like was,
2: advertised as such. Yeah. Not just though they only had meat.
1: Yeah. Wow. It was it was great. Like it, it was just a very cool place. And you you got to see like where Dennis Martinez was from and see some I got to see baseball there, which I thought was dope. I've seen baseball in Puerto Rico, which I thought was dope. Haven't done the Dominican yet. But Colombia has always been kind of on my list. What's a six hour flight?
2: Yeah, every flight I've seen has been there's a layover in Miami, which is what I did every time. But, yeah, you leave at 6 in the morning. You're there by 2, 2.30, same time zone.
1: Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Like, that's about yeah. as far as I can go on airplanes before going crazy. So my idea was to do what you said, like go to Miami for two days, then fly to Columbia, and then yep. come back and hang out in Miami for two days and then yep. come home. But it's been on my list of places, so hearing your experience there – it kind of makes me want to go there more.
2: I would, I would totally recommend it. I'd have to, like, I definitely, I think you would have to hit the big three, like Medellin, Bogota, Cartagena. Um, I got to think of, it's like, I love the South of Colombia, and it's so kind of off the beaten path, but it, it is, it's tough to get to within, if you're trying to do it in a timely fashion, um, Rio Wacha, again, the North of Colombia. Which, if you're doing Cartagena, is again not the easiest to get to from there, but it's in the neighborhood. Again, like we took a desert trip, basically. You kind of just, it's a lot of driving, but you go through um, the, all the way, like the entire north of Colombia. And our driver, man, is something else. Cause I'm like, how do you know this route? Cause you're literally just driving through the desert for hours at a time. He's like, ah, I followed a guy one time and now it's all up here. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like you got us there. He got us back, but okay, man, like it's crazy. Is there any place
1: else that you would suggest to not even in Colombia, like anywhere mm-hmm. that you think should be once we get to a place where things are safe and we mm-hmm. can really, really travel again,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that they have to go. Where do people have to go?
2: Uh, I, I said this, I would tell people Buenos Aires, I would say Argentina for sure. Um, Cause you can do, you can do Buenos Aires and get the city vibe. You can get a Gibson's or Bavette style steak meal for instead of $200 for like $50 for um, with all, you know, everything included. Um, uh, and then you've got the Mendoza, you've got the wine region. If you want to do that and you can hop down to Patagonia as well. And it's all relatively easy to do. I did um, really like, Ecuador, and a city called Cuenca, in particular. Um, I, I can't necessarily put my vibe on it, but like Quito, not as much. It's just it reminded me of Bogota. It's a capital. It's massive. It's huge. Um, Guayaquil is kind of a port town. Montanita, if you want in Ecuador, if you want to just do like a week at the beach, you know, that's where I, I took my first surfing lesson there. So that was that was an experience with a guy named Rugby. Um, and, but I would say Cuenca was kind of a cool, um, architecture for sure. Very walkable and, you know, really good food scene and, uh, just a really kind of like interesting town.
1: Right on, man. Well, thanks again for this. Thanks for your guide to Columbia. It was very, very mm-hmm. helpful. And, uh, I appreciate it. I, I wanted the podcast to do some interesting stuff and
2: I get to do interesting stuff with it now like this. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's kind of it's fun to relive it and uh definitely good to be back in Chicago and see a friendly face again.
1: Right on, man. Right on. So Paul now is working as a producer. Like he's back in the business and he's doing something fun. He's producing a podcast with someone who is about to become a pretty big star, I think, in our business. If you've paid any attention at all to what's going on with Akeem Tlaib, he has stepped into becoming kind of a a color analyst, and now he does a podcast, and Paul is one of the producers of that Call to the Booth podcast with Akib Tlaib and Harrison Sanford. I don't know if Paul wants to go back into television producing. I know that he was great at it, and if you're looking for a really smart, well-traveled, a multilingual sports producer, then he should be on your list of people that you're going to call. That was a lot of fun. Like just thinking about it, like in my mind, Columbia is a place that I want to go visit for sure. It isn't on the list of places that I would consider living because I haven't been there yet. And I'd like to go there before I would make a decision like that. Costa Rica is on my list. It's, it's huge on my list. I've been to Costa Rica three times. I even went on a trip to Costa Rica that ended up with me in Nicaragua. And I actually enjoy being in Nicaragua too, but it's a lot more dangerous than Costa Rica. I found myself very drawn to Latin American countries. And and maybe even it's probably more accurate to say that region and the Caribbean. I haven't traveled anywhere else. I've never been to Europe. I've never been to South America. Colombia would change that for me. Um, but Colombia seems like the type of trip that I can make. I'm not. I'm not a terrible flyer, and domestically I'm fine. Internationally, because of some of the delays that you end up in, just the the distance that you're going to travel unless you're going to Mexico or or Canada. Um, I, I struggle with long flights and whatnot. So six hours is about as much as I can handle. But like I told Paul, I could probably handle, I'm going to go to Miami for two days and then I'm going to go to Columbia for a week. Then I'm going to come back and hang out in Miami for a couple days and then I'm going to go home. I could probably handle that. Every time that I've been in Costa Rica, I've been like, I wonder what life is like here. You know what's really weird? I was I I kind of done since the election, I kind of done a moratorium on news like my quarter was ending at DePaul. So I didn't have to keep up on everything as a media professor. I could take a break mentally from watching news. And I was watching CNN. I just happened to flip over last night and one of the guests that they had on with Anderson Cooper was based in Costa Rica like it was an American who was living in Costa Rica and I was like that could be me I could be that expat professor that's working down at the university Costa Rica has a really incredible education system because they took I won't go into this being a a commercial for Costa Rica just know that that's the place that if I escape that's probably where I'm going to escape to but I've never been to Europe and I had my friend Joanne who you'll hear on the the Queens Gambit podcast she lived uh, she lived abroad but she worked in Georgia not like Atlanta like the Republic of Georgia and she tells great tales of of being there and feeling at home, strangely enough. And I always have wondered, can one feel like you are at home in another country? And it was great to get Paul's perspective to find out that you can. I'm glad that he's back if that's what he wants. And like I said, he's working on this podcast, but it's. It's top of mind, man, like it's. Montreal is another place that I would consider. I have so many friends. Like Canada is so easy. Like I was thinking about it. Like if if I still wanted to work in sports, Canada is like the easiest place for me to go. I got friends who work there. I got friends who work in sports media there. I could probably get a job working for Rogers or. Hockey night in Canada. I could probably do something. Do a talk show in Vancouver or something. I could probably do that. It'd be the easiest. Some of these other places would mean a real shift. Like a paradigm shift in what I deem important. And what it is that I'm going to do for a living. And a lot of the other places that I've even had the daydream of living in places i probably teach like that would be that would be my my thing i I go teach somewhere and i don't mean like teaching english because i don't know if i'm even qualified to do that but i think i could help in broadcasting for sure and there's a couple of places where you know what i like you know what show i like uh geography now i like that on youtube I really really like that. And I I like how they tell you everything that you need to know about some of the countries. And I've in, I've enjoyed like learning about other places and I'm not I'm a homebody for the most part. I am someone who's lived my whole life in the United States and I for a long time I never even thought about well, what happens if you want to go live somewhere else. Is that even allowed? Can 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 one Do that and not go completely crazy. Guyana is another place that I was thinking about, and I learned on geography now that they speak English there. That it's one, it's the official language. I mean, they speak English in a lot of South American countries. Like, one can be an English speaker and probably be all right in Argentina or Colombia. And maybe even Venezuela, although Venezuela you probably don't want to hang out in right now. But I looked at Guyana, and I'm like, I could go teach there. Maybe. Anyway. I just thought I would share. I, I don't know if you have the same type of wanderlust, but it's definitely something that's been on my mind. One more thing about this, and I'll tell you that after I tell you, that we are brought to you by Mazda of Orland Park. ZoomZoomNation.com. If you're thinking about buying a vehicle and using that vehicle to drive to Canada to live there or drive to Mexico and live there, you should get it from Mazda of Orland Park. I guess technically you probably can't. I, I remember being in Costa Rica and seeing a guy, being in Nicaragua, let me be accurate, being in Nicaragua and seeing a guy cross the border into Costa Rica or try to cross the border. Because he was going to ride his motorcycle from Central America into South America. And I believe that you you can cross at the Panama Canal. I'm not certain about that. But some of his credentials weren't right, and he got stuck in Nicaragua. Mel and I were actually stuck in Nicaragua, too, for a couple of hours. There's a whole story there. But... Basically, it's simple. We had a driver who had a visa. We had gone on one of the Bears trips to Costa Rica. And they had a day trip to Nicaragua. But I was like, why would we only spend like an hour in Granada, in Nicaragua? Like, why not spend a day? Like, why not enjoy a day? So we we talked with one of the travel companies and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll... We'll drive you, we'll pick you up from your hotel and drive you back to the resort in Costa Rica. It's like a three-hour drive. And we were like, cool. But then we found out that our driver's visa had expired. And Costa Ricans take their border security very seriously. Especially when it comes to dealing with Nicaragua, which is on a whole nother level of things. At least from what the, 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 the Ticos told me when I was down there. So we were stuck in limbo and my it's my greatest accomplishment as a someone who can kind of speak Spanish. My survival Spanish kicked in like a mofo. And I was able to get us another driver. And get us back to the resort. And it was one of my greatest accomplishments as an adult. I'm not going to lie to you it really was but the border at Nicaragua whoo going in Costa Rica is a whole different ball game Nicaragua is um a little rough but it's also truly beautiful Lake Nicaragua is great Granada itself is really outstanding I guess if I ever went back, I would fly into Nicaragua, but i it's not on my list of places that I need to go back. Like, I'm glad I saw it once, and I don't know if I need to see it again. But I really did have a wonderful time there. Some good memories in that place, for sure. Just walking around and having great food, great drink, having everyone be so wonderful. And it's when I go to Latin American countries or Puerto Rico, because I'm still not sure how I should talk about Puerto Rico because it's its own entity. But it's also a protectorate. like it's so strange because it's got its own culture, but it's also American. Anyway, whenever I go to these places, I am often spoken to in Spanish, because if you look at me, I'm I'm brown enough, you know, (laughs) like people aren't sure what to make of me. And that happened in Nicaragua as well it, it happened in Costa Rica. it's happened in Mexico countless times. It's happened in Puerto Rico so I do feel there is some kinship there. You know what's weird? I haven't done the twenty three and me thing or anything like that. I do wonder like how much if any, is there any because I feel so connected to those places. I wonder if there's any Latin blood in there. Like the Holmeses are Scottish and, and French along with being black, but I haven't really delved into a native. Um, I haven't delved into my mom's side on that. And we're mostly African and native, but I wonder it's one of those things I wonder, but I don't want to give them my DNA. Um, also, the uh, quick aside, call David Hochberg. He can help you get a loan if you're thinking about buying a home or refinancing. 855-56-DAVID. 56David.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. I'm not kidding. Call him. Tell him what you heard about him on this podcast. Be like, I need a loan. Not like a personal loan. I mean, you know, for a house. 855-56-DAVID. When I had um, we were talking about this, we were talking about like genetics with Courtney. Her episode, I really Courtney Hall, like I really highly recommend you go back and listen to it because she did African DNA and it turned out really well for her. And it ended up being this incredible trip that she went on to Africa and found finding her people in Senegal And being like, damn, people look just like me. Yeah, it's amazing how genetics work. But I often wonder if I'm just a fan of the culture that I have found in Latin American countries and Puerto Rico. Or if there is something deeper. Something to explore maybe later on. I mean, I guess. Maybe if things get back to normal. But I hope you enjoyed this episode because I enjoyed bringing this episode to you. You found out a little bit more about me and you found out all about Paul's journey into Colombia. I'm glad that he was available to share it. What a brave and courageous thing to do to pick up and leave, go live in some place that you're not from. I mean, people do it inside the United States all the time, but to do it internationally, I think is just dope. Shout out to Paul. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got something out of it. I will talk to you next time. Peace.